Welcome back into the SC Prep Insiders podcast. My name is Jeff Dulek, and once again, I'm joined by Scott Bernstein. Scott, how you doing? How are you doing, JD? Let's uh, let's continue uh, our voyage into the 2017 <laughs> MHSAA football season, which has been uh, right. Maybe like we said on the uh, on the radio. Uh, uh, our radio show, our, our state champs radio show, uh, the scoreboard on 97.1 every Friday. Mm-hmm. Last week we said maybe this is a kind of season where we're coming to the halfway point and there are more uh, questions and answers. Right, and I, th- I think we're, we're we're still at that point. I think we know you know who the the upper echelon teams are, but not necessarily you know who kind of falls into that next tier. Um, you know, we're officially at the halfway point. We're midway through uh, this week, which is leading up to week five of the season. Um, but even know. with the best teams, I still don't know. Um, I mean, we know who the, the upper echelon teams are, mm-hmm. but amongst them, I think there are questions about who. Right. It's oh, not yeah, one of these sure. years where I'm like, okay, I'll see in November. I know that for sure this team and that team will be at Ford Field. Right. I mean, you even see a team like Muskegon ranked number one. Who have they really played? I know they beat um, Lincolnshire out of, the, out of Illinois, um, but we don't know enough about teams like that to have a good take on them. Utica Eisenhower, I was at their their win over Chippewa Valley. Chippewa Valley is the first team that really challenged them. Um, to be honest, I mean, losing forty nine forty two, it seemed like Eisenhower has a couple more question marks than what we thought. You know, Cast Tech, Detroit King, those teams are still waiting to play their, their like, first big in state challenges. Yeah, and then like uh, from my neck of the woods, Oakland County, mm-hmm. uh, like pretty much out of nowhere, Rochester Adams right. just uh, exploded to the top of the heap in Oakland right. County. They're my number one team in Oakland County right now, 4-0, and they're just smashing everyone in their way. Right. And, you know, I, I think I've said it on here before, and I said it on the radio show, I expected Adams to be, you know, a team that won five, six games this year, but mm-hmm. I did not see them as a team that could challenge for Ford Field, and it looks like right now that they can. Right. Well, Adams had such a... Uh They've had a a down couple years uh, in terms of they missed the playoffs for a couple years in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, Just just got back last last year into the postseason, got upset in the first round, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they lost a a very, very good quarterback in Kyle Wood. They were replacing him with a a senior that hadn't played under center at the varsity level, Zach Solden. Mm -hmm. And it's like they haven't missed a beat. And uh, despite their their low numbers – They've had low numbers now for five, six years in terms of uh, uh, people coming out for football. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're only at about 30, 35 guys on the varsity. Right. And um, it, <laughs> none of it matters. They're playing great <laughs> football right now. And you got to, in my opinion, you got to talk about them as as one of the top, you know, top ten, top teams in the state. Oh, I absolutely, I agree with that. But you also look at it from the perspective of you kind of knew that Tony Petrito would have Rochester Adams back. It yeah. wasn't a matter of if, but when. And you know, while like you said, I didn't really expect big things but out outside of, of Vin, this year. outside of Vince Gray, who's their you know, SEC right. bound cornerback, um, who's going to Missouri. Outside of him, they don't really have any players that right. are like getting col- you know getting a lot of college looks, mm-hmm. or they just have a lot of really good high school football players that you know have a lot of chemistry, a lot of cohesion this year, a lot of senior leadership, and, right. and, and it's translating. Um, and then another thing in terms of uh, more more questions and answers. Um, in, in the 2017 campaign, and we ta- again we talked about this on the radio show last week. The Catholic League Central right now, I, I don't really know what I don't really know what to make of it uh, between uh, Jesuit De La Salle or De La Salle right now. Looks like they're probably they could be the best they're the best team, team probably right now in the Central. We didn't we thought the exact opposite yeah. after they lost to Lowell and Lowell kind of right. kind of Heather gave gave uh, Lowell, De La Salle a wake up call, and I yeah. think you know 
the LaSalle bounces back with a win over Granville. They looked really, really good against Brother Rice last week. And Brother Rice is just after that first uh, win of the year on opening mm-hmm. uh, on opening night where they looked really strong. They've, right. they've, they've faltered in the last three weeks. St. Right. Mary's 0-3 going into week four for the first time since 1984, Can you, I, which I, just I can't blows my that. mind. They just got their first yeah. win of the season last week against uh, Jesuit um, mm-hmm. 38-28. Yeah. And then Catholic Central is 2-2 two two right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not, uh, you know, they play. Their two the, losses are against really good teams. Yeah, there's nothing in your head about those losses, but to teams from Ohio. But they're, you know, a two and two Catholic Central team. We, you know, like we've said all along, they we lo- still don't know what to really expect from Catholic Central. Yeah, and they season. lost their star quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, Austin Brown, who uh, transferred uh, in the off season over to Madison. Right, and, and one, you know, now we're going to get really deep into the Catholic league schedule, and yep. we're going to really see, you know. How how good the the quarterback situation is? I believe it's Marco Genrich, yeah, Marco who, Genrich. who's under under center for the Shamrocks. And we're gonna see just exactly you know where the offense can go with him at the helm. You know, we we've known the last couple of years with a couple of different quarterbacks how good Catholic Central could be, especially in the passing game, which is something that we haven't been used to. But now we're gonna really find out just how how good this offense can be. Yeah, we got the Boys Bowl on Sunday, Sunday I right. believe. So Rice versus the Catholic Central, right. and uh, that should be that should be pretty exciting. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not stating uh, anything that people don't know, but you know, Catholic Central, you could make an argument, you know, the best football league in the state. You, know, yeah. you can make an argument. It's one of the best football leagues in the country. Right. Definitely in the Midwest. Maybe and, not this year, though. Right, but, so, so, right. but 2017 is just kind of a, you know, it has, it has me kind of uh, scratching my head with mm-hmm. – uh, where what these teams are, what are their identities, where they're headed, right. and what we're going to be talking about um, come come uh, the end of October, November in the playoffs. Right. Um, just want to take this time to remind everybody that we're sponsored by uh, Diversified Members Credit Union. Go to dmcu.org to learn more. And Hungry Howie's Dough Razor. Your next fundraiser comes with a flavored crust. Uh, Hungry Howie's Dough Razor. Um, it's a fundraising campaign. They hand out paper pizzas that can be redeemed at Hungry Howie's locations. Um, I know a lot of local schools in the southeast Michigan area have, have been using the Dough Razor fundraiser for some time. I know Birmingham Groves is a big fan. Go to HungryHowies.com slash Dough Razor to learn more. Um, but we're going to get into a little bit more Mr. Football talk this week. Yep. Um, Talk about the race. Yeah, though the, we're shaking it up again. We, we shook it up two weeks ago. I mean, that's that's what I think personally. That's that's what's great about our Mister Football. Oh, race. I agree. It's, it's fluid. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's 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 real time. Right. Um. You know, it rewards kids for and rewards you know uh, uh, performances that mm-hmm. it, that you know at, at that at that week of, of of a player deserves to go in and another player deserves out. That's it. That's right. what's happening. It's, this isn't something that we're going to wait till the end of the year to to hash out or. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's something that uh, is happening in real time. Yeah. Let's talk about who we, who we got, who's going out and who's going in. Well, uh, two weeks ago, we put Detroit Country Day linebacker Colin Demons in. Um, he actually had a pretty solid two weeks. I know he had a big uh, game two weeks ago against Flushing, I believe. Um, and Demons is going to college as a linebacker, yes. but uh, well, there there are some places that are looking at him as a tight end. end. Yeah, okay. well, but but well, I think his upside is at linebacker. If you're right. asking me, he's actually doing most of his damage this year. Uh, and he and, and the mm-hmm. offense side of the ball. Oh yeah, he's I, running the ball. He's he's running out. He's get he's running pass routes and catching the ball at tight end. It's such a young Country Day team that he almost has. He has to, to do everything. You know that that's just kind of the, the situation that Country Day is in. Um, but Colin Demons is now out. Two weeks later, the that Ferndale they lost a they lost losing, to Ferndale losing to Ferndale and flushing it is tough because a, a big portion of our our um, the, criteria, the, yeah. you know, has to do with 
team success, you know, big game success, you know, things along those lines, and losing back-to-back games kind of hurts him, you know, no disrespect to Flushing or Ferndale, but those aren't the, the upper echelon teams that we talked about. To, so default to them, you know, kind of that does have an effect on a player's. I'd like to know the last time Country Day lost to a uh, public school team from Oakland County. I think it's been a while. That's a good question. That's something we should uh, look up at some point. Yeah. Um, so Colin Demons. Just a public school team in general, I guess. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. But Colin Demons is from out. From Metro Detroit. Right. Colin Demons is out. Not saying he can't get back in. He's a guy who I kind of believe will be back in, to be honest, because Country Day does play a pretty light schedule the rest of the way, and I think he can put up some serious numbers. Um, But replacing Colin Demons is another linebacker, and he's been a linebacker that has probably been one of the best in Oakland County for For two years, two maybe even three years. And in 2017, he's showing his massive versatility as as a as a playmaker on both sides of the Mm -hmm. ball. He, he's kind of the next gem to come out of Farmington Hills Harrison. And his name is Ovi Agufu, maybe one of the uh, hardest names to pronounce right. in the 2018 class. Yep. And it, but it's not one of those long names that you kind of struggle right. with. It's, it's not it's, like it's Ajay uh, Odegunje. Yeah, that's right, the former Wild Lake right. Central defensive end. Um, but we're going to call him Ovi, not to continuously butchering his last name. Yeah. Um, but he's now in it. You know, And you could have made an argument he should have been in it from the start. This, is a, this is a kid that's been... Uh, committed to to Notre Dame since the the summer before his junior year, right. so we started to get a lot of love on the recruiting scene in uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. People fell in love with uh, his uh, the, the measurables. Yeah. He's six two, six three, two fifteen, two twenty. Runs, uh, you know, runs like a gazelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is very instinctive. Right. Sideline to sideline has a lot of athleticism, um, a lot of uh, football intelligence. And he's a big guy too. He can, you know, yeah. he's a guy who can move inside, play outside. Um, he's not quite. I don't think he's quite versatile enough to, you know, drop back and play safety. But he can play anywhere at the linebacking position. And you know, rush. I, I mean, he can rush the pass. Oh, absolutely. He can come off the edge. Right. And and I look at. Um, just what he what he's been able to do this year, you know he's returning kicks. I just, I didn't realize. Uh, I mean, I had heard from from Coach Harrington um, in the in the preseason that they were going to use him on offense, mm-hmm. and, and you know this happens a lot when uh, uh you know there's there's maybe um, some holes to be filled. Right, uh, especially and, Harrison's numbers are down because yeah. of the the school itself being in and, limbo. And if you just have a tremendous athlete, mm-hmm. uh, even if he's on the defensive side of the ball, you're going to put him on offense for the sake of your team. Right. But it doesn't always mean that they're going to. Excel, not, not not just excel, but excel in the way that what he's doing right now. He's literally doing everything. He's right. Superman. Yeah. He's catching the ball. He's running the ball. He's returning kicks. Mm-hmm. He's on defense, uh, quarterback in the linebacking core. Right, and, and you know, I got a chance to see him against Stony Creek, and that was a blowout win for Harrison, and not so surprisingly so. But in that game, you know, watching it, and this is no disrespect to any other player I've seen this year, but. Just watching the game, Ovio Gofu is the best player I've seen all season. You know, uh, you know, like uh, you know, uh, top to top, top to bottom in terms right. of the, what he does, what, he, what he's capable of, what he's able to do. You know, he had a, a, a monster sack. You know, coming off the edge, he had a, another big tackle for loss, kind of stunting inside. Um, he had a touchdown catch where he just broke three or four tackles. You know, he he's just everything. I know he played uh, against Birmingham Seaholm. He returned a kick. For a, t- for a touchdown, the opening kick, I think he took it back 90 yards. Uh, he had a five-yard touchdown catch. He had seven tackles. That was another blowout game, so I assume he didn't play the entire game. 
Um, now Harrison's another team that I didn't really know what to. Th- it, 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 maybe um, there's some teams like uh, Harrison and Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, these are obviously my bread and butter when we're talking Oakland County. Right. Teams that are maybe the opposite of what I said about uh, too many uh, more questions and answers. They're, they're teams that at the start of the season I had questions about, but mm-hmm. now at the midway point I don't really have many right. questions about. They're much better than I thought they were going right. to be. And, and you know, one thing I want to say about, about Harrison is just being at the Stony Creek game, and obviously it was a mismatch from the start. But you get a sense from Harrison and the players. You know, I got a chance to talk to Ovi. I got a chance to talk to Rod Hurd, who's another highly recruited uh, defensive. Well, I don't know how highly recruited he is. I think he should be more highly. recruited. Yeah, he should be. He's recruit. He's being recruited. But in my opinion, and I was talking to Coach Harrington about this too. I think Roderick Hurd is you know the definition of a, a, a diamond in the rough in yeah. this 2018 class. Right. Because he, he's. I think he's being recruited as a cornerback, but he's mm-hmm. playing tailback this year. Yeah. I uh, saw a little bit of action at tailback last year. Mm-hmm. And I think he could end up at either spot um, at the college level. Right. Well, you look you look at um, Rod, and he, he's a guy um, out of the 2019 class. Um, oh, Hurt is a, Hurt yeah, a he's junior? Yeah, he's a 2019 oh, kid. I, okay. Um, but he's starting to get some looks. I think he was at, he went with Ovi to a Notre Dame game recently. Um, I know he's hearing from teams like Michigan State, and he, he, but – He's another really good player. You know, maybe he factors in next year. We'll have to see because he he plays really well from the running back position. But when it comes, Let's to, change what I said. Diamond in the rough for two nineteen. Right, that's right. Two thousand nineteen. But when you look at Ovi, and I don't really seem to think this way, and maybe it's just me, but when a kid jumps into the the Mister Football contest right in the middle of the year, I tend to think that it's going to be hey, it's going to be really really tough for this guy to win it. Ovi might be in the top, you know, four dark, or five. The dark horse, right? He, you know. He, he might be a top four or five candidate right now. He hasn't even been in the contest for more than a couple of hours. He might be in the race right now. So for all of you Farmington Hills Harrison listeners, go to www.statechampsnetwork.com. Uh, click on the banner on the left-hand side and vote for Ovi. Um, every, every vote that he gets you know, helps him stay, not only stay in the race, but if he's a leading vote-getter at the end of the year, he's got, he's got some work to, he's got some ground to make up. But every vote that he gets helps you. Him say you, you, the you, the the voters help decide the race because right. the, 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 the the player with the the most amount of fan votes that's a big chunk of our criteria yeah. in crowning Mister Football. Yeah, and it's an automatic entry into the final yeah, four, right, which is decided. Four. We usually decide the final four midway through the playoffs. If I had to say, it's not something that's set in stone, but right around then. Um, so yeah, you know, as far as Ovi's concerned, I really. Th- like his chances. I mean, what do you think, Scott? Yeah, well, I'll get, let me give a little background to the um, the listeners on Ovi. Uh, you know, started to emerge uh, in the summer before his sophomore year. People mm-hmm. started to look at him and just, you know, I think it was like one of those things where, you know, he passes the eye test right off the bat. Right. But when you're seeing him at, at the camps and, and, and the and the showcases and, and the seven-on-sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his sophomore year, I think he had about 55 tackles and four or five sacks. Um, last year, he bumped it up to about, uh, I think, 66 tackles and six sacks. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's the type of player that is just, he's the prototype for, for the future outside linebacker. Right. We've talked about it on here before. Uh, you know, th- this is kind of like, um, you know, with, with, with the emergence of this hybrid tight end mm-hmm. um, where there's just a lot more, uh, well, first of all, just across the board in football, there's a lot more of a, a, mm-hmm. a, a concentration on passing. Right. Tight ends are now, you know, very 
large focal points of offenses at the high school level as well yep. as the college and pro level. It kind of feels like Devin Funches, a former Harrison yeah, guy, was one kind of, of, was one of the pioneers yeah. into that, that mentality at the high and, school and, level. And you need linebackers that are uh, tall and fast mm-hmm. that can handle the, uh, you know not just the, the, the passing attack for wide receivers, but uh, uh, but for for, for 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 tight ends going right. out and in in, in, in in trying to stretch the field mm-hmm. that can that can handle pass coverage right and these six two uh, s- uh, more slender longer mm-hmm. uh, faster guys on the outside are just kind of the perfect complement the, f- the perfect anecdote right a lot of teams look for that third safety on the field. I mean before there was a time period where, where linebackers never went over six foot right oh yeah absolutely yeah and now or I think one. and now that kind of seems small for a linebacker you know which is, yeah. which is just well, I think it goes one I think what now the uh, the pro scouts are looking for it's mm-hmm. it's one extreme or the other they want yeah. the the OVs the guys that are 62 63 then they want like the Luke Keekleys that are right. kind of smaller more compact mm-hmm. but but faster right yeah and I, it's it's just kind of fun to see the evolution of football you know we we talk about it and you know we grow you know I'm I'm 27 yeah. so I haven't been around as long but you see guys who who um going you know, growing up, they talk about how the game changed. You don't really notice it, but now that you know, we we're seeing it firsthand, just especially in the high school game. And you know, obviously that translates to recruiting. But you see how those guys are being recruited. You see how bigger cornerbacks are being recruited because they want people to match up yeah. size wise. I'm dating myself a little bit, but you know, the best linebacker in the NFL when I was growing up <clears throat> in, the, in the late '80s or <clears throat> early '90s was Mike Singletary, mm-hmm. uh, the captain of the Chicago Bears that won the Super Bowl '85, and right. he was kind of the prototype linebacker back then. He had no neck, right? That's right. Big <laughs> so you know now uh, you can see all these linebackers next now, which is the kind of a, <laughs> a telltale of where we are in, in, in the new millennium. Right. Um, so Ovi is now in the contest. Now we're going to do a little bit more um, Mr. Football conversation. Um, Ovi is now joining a Mr. Football top ten that includes Detroit UD Jesuits Elijah Collins, uh, Fenton's Josh Sarnata, Josh Sarnata. Um, Gibraltar Carlson's Jalen Franklin, Dearborn Divine Child's Theo Day, Lowell's David David Cruz, Muskegon's Ladarius Jefferson, Trevor City West's uh, Ryan Hayes, Davison's Tariq Reed, and Utica Eisenhower's Max Whitwer. And Max Whitwer now leads the Hungry Howie's Mr. Football fan voting. He's got over 7,000 votes. Uh, Tariq Reed has almost 3,500 votes, and now Jalen Franklin is up over 2,000 votes. Um so the Utica Eisenhower uh, faithful are are really kind of showing out right now with with the voting, and you kind of expected them to. Yep, not surprising. Yeah. Um, now I know Scott did a a blog uh, over the weekend or last at least week, close late, to it. Late, I think it was late. Last yeah, late, late last because we week. talked about it and uh, that's right. We I teased think, it and we I think we recorded that. On, we put it up last Thursday. Right. Um, and Scott did his his you know Mister Football Power Rankings through three weeks of the season. Now we're at week four of the season. Um, so I, I'll, I'll read it off of what I had last mm-hmm. week. I had uh, Tariq Reed at number one, Whitwer at number two, Theo Day at number three, uh, Ladarius Jefferson four, and Josh Arnott at five. Right. And, you know, looking at those top five, I think they all had another strong showing uh, in week four. You know, one thing that I'm very interested to see is now Max Whit- you know, I was very impressed with Max Whitwer playing against Chippewa Valley. It seemed like every time Chippewa Valley threw a punch, you know, Whitwer had one of his own. Um, it was a crazy game. It was yeah, it was a really good game. But for me, you know, I, I just me personally, I would flip one and two, but I think that's just you know picking 
picking well, that, hairs that, up. I mean, point. that to me, I mean, not to give away my uh, my process, but right. I definitely, when I was making that list, I was definitely having a uh, a push and pull. Uh, you know, the rub for me was who do mm. I put Reed first or do I put Whitworth right. first? I, and I I kind of gave the one ed- I gave the edge to Reed based on where he finished last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I saw in, uh, and I guess this is unfair, even though Whitworth had a really good week one against Oak Park. Right. But what I saw from Reed in week one, which was the only time I had a chance to see either of these players live, mm-hmm. um, just <laughs> such a workhorse effort. Uh, what was it, quadruple overtime or triple yeah, overtime? Quad- it was either triple or, qu- triple or quadruple. Yeah, but that and was... uh, Reed was just, uh, just was a man amongst boys, just uh, was a beast. Right. And, you know, that as far as Tariq is concerned, I don't want to, you know, keep knocking on the Saginaw Valley League. But that was what I think we all had talked about. You know, it, it sounds ridiculous, but a week one game, I think in our eyes, had a big impact on where his standing would be for the rest of the year because Southfield is likely the best team Davison's going to play until the playoffs. And then Davison might run into a Lapeer and a um, Clarkston. You know, if they beat Clarkston, then it gets tougher and tougher. But we didn't really know what to expect from him against high-level competition aside from the Southfield yeah. A&T game. And he, he really proved himself to be a, a legitimate candidate for the award. And I'll throw out a little, another anecdote that I noticed uh, last week that I think speaks to the type of young man that Tariq is. I saw that uh, he, he, he obviously was uh, uh, humbled mm-hmm. by the fact that I had named him. Um, I shouldn't say obviously. <laughs> <laughs> he was humbled uh, by the fact that I had named him the, 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 the number one in my power rankings for the quarter mark of the season. And he went on Twitter and he said, uh, you know, this accolade – uh, is really it's a team accolade. Yeah, it's not. It's not about me as Tariq Reed, the yeah. running back. This is for the Cardinals. This is for Davidson. Yeah, yeah Davidson's number one. Yeah. So um, to me, that that spoke a lot about you know what type of young man, what kind of integrity that uh, Tariq has. Right, and it kind of shows you the program that Kyle Zimmerman's building. Oh man, Zim. Davidson. Zim is one of those. Coach under- Zimmerman's one of our favorites. Just first just of all, he's a great guy. He he's, he's the he's the quintessential motivator. Mm-hmm. To see one of to see some of his uh, pregame talks. I've never actually witnessed one at Davidson, but I witnessed a number of them at Notre Dame Prep when he had that program uh, right. clicking on all cylinders a handful of years back before he made the move to Davidson. But uh, right. Zim is one of these guys that uh, w- when you're making a list of the top coaches in the state, mm-hmm. maybe he, he's not the first name that pops to your head, but you know he sh- it should. And right. in the next couple of years, I'm sure it will. Mm-hmm. And he's you know he's a younger guy. I believe he's in his early 40s, late 30s, and uh, he's the type of guy that uh, is a very, very under-the-radar sideline tactician that you mm-hmm. know everyone around the state should know about. And I'm sure uh, as the program at Davidson continues to f- uh, flourish and, and, and grow and, and, and put itself even more on the map than it already has, that uh, people around the state will start to take notice at at uh, what a great coach Kyle Zimmerman is. Right, and I, I, you know, for what he, what a good job he did at Notre Dame Prep. There was really, we were kind of surprised that he went to Davison, but it kind of made sense after we found out. You know, that's where it's a lot closer to home for some of his coaches and, and things like that. Um, but there was no doubt that he was going to get due, that program on track. In all due respect to uh, Pat Fox, who at least yeah. was his replacement. I'm not positive I, if he's still there. I but, think he's still there. Uh, what's you know what has NDP really been after Zim? Right. It, it's and it's more of a credit just to just how good of a coach yeah. Kyle Zimmerman is. But I'm saying NDP was in the mix there mm-hmm. every every playoffs. Yeah. Uh, battling yeah, they, they battling out head with country. Yeah, I was Day. Saying, battling out with Country Day two or three years in a row in the, either the, I think it was the districts or the regionals. I want to say it was the regionals. And but, um, yeah. and just uh, just you know they were 
they could more than more than hold their own. Yeah, they had some um, thrillers. Yeah, especially with some very talented Country Day teams that you kind of on paper thought Country Day is going to win this thirty five fourteen or something right. like that. Um, but going into you know going back into the the Mister Football contest. You know, a guy who I think is is very intriguing in this contest is Ladarius Jefferson. Yeah, he's a guy who obviously had the experience of sh- you know sharing time with another Mister Football candidate, Khalil Pimpleton, last year. Um, but I think we're coming close to seeing you know Ladarius Jefferson just have this breakout game. You know, he hasn't been the toughest of competition so far this season. They played Stevens, Stevens Stevensville Shore, Lake, Stevensville Lakeshore. Steven, thank you. Um, but. But when it comes to Ladarius Jefferson, I think that he's a guy that, a lot like Khalil Pimpleton, oh, he's having a good year. He's having, oh, wow, he's he's one of our final four guys. And I think... Kind of sneaks up on you. Some of them, you kind of, well, I think, <laughs> unfortunately, if you're a playmaker at Muskegon, mm-hmm. sometimes you just get taken for granted. It's like, oh, yeah. I, oh, it's Muskegon, it's the big reds, they got playmakers across the board. Right. Oh, he's the, uh, remember the quarterback before Pimpleton? That's uh, right. Deshaun Thrower. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like he won. The, all, all these guys. He won Mr. Basketball. Yeah, he won Mr. Basketball. But he, I think he was in the Mr. Football contest. I don't know if he was in the race, but he took him to the uh, state finals, and they Multiple they lost times. to Rice. Yeah, they lost to Rice. On I know. Uh, but it's just like sometimes it's just it's it's the position you're in where just everyone just assumes right. uh, there's going to be uh, amazing um, performances, mm-hmm. and then when you when you perform amazingly, it's kind of like oh well, that's what we expected. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> and you know. You you look at um, Ladarius Jefferson, and you know we're we're coming to the point in the season where we're going to start seeing some big time games in the near future. Like Ladarius Jefferson, obviously Muskegon doesn't play the toughest schedule, but they're going to play Mona Shores in a couple of weeks. How well does he play against Mona Shores? And you know we've talked about it a couple of times. Tristan Robbins is the quarterback from Mona Shores. He might be in the contest by then too. Um, that's going to be a really fun matchup, regardless of whether or not Robbins is in the contest at that point or not. And in a lot of situations, and again, this is an uh, this is because of the kind of program Muskegon is. I mean, mm-hmm. and a lot of programs, I would say most programs around the state, Ladarius Jefferson would be a three-year starter, mm-hmm. uh, not right. going into his first <laughs> year right. as a full-time starter. And, and uh, you know, Khalil Pimpleton, in my opinion, uh, you know, Khalil Pimpleton might be a better overall college prospect. Mm-hmm. He's at Virginia Tech right now. Right. But Ladarius Jefferson's a better quarterback than Khalil Pimpleton. Right. I don't well, think you can even make I don't think you can even debate it. I, when I, I keep saying this and I sound like a broken record, but Ladarius Jefferson in the Central Florida Scott Frost system is going to do big things. Yeah. I, you know, that's a, that's a high tempo offense. He's mobile enough to kind of you know get yards with his feet and he's got just he's just got a freaking cannon for an arm. Um so, so I think he's he's going to be a great fit at Central Florida. A lot of people looked at him like, you know, he committed to Central Florida. Why didn't he wait a little bit longer? I think I think the fit was just there. Scott I, Scott Frost uh, again. I'm going to date myself. Scott Frost was the quarterback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers in '97, <laughs> the year that they right. shared the national championship yep. with the University of Michigan. But yeah, that's right. Even um, though, uh, but he's the that mastermind behind the Oregon offense. Yes. Um, that did so well for for all those years. They've t- taken a step back, but now he's got that going on at Michigan. Should have won that at, uh, outright, but uh, that's right. The, the voters uh, split it, and I remember that that season, um, the the kind of controversial win to keep them undefeated in Nebraska was a, a win at a win against Missouri, <laughs> and Frost threw a touchdown pass. I think as the, as time was expiring, and it shouldn't have been a touchdown pass. It like uh, hit the ground or something, and and a lot of people were saying, you know. Even though they went undefeated and Michigan went undefeated, mm-hmm. one of Nebraska's 
uh, wins was should have been a loss. Therefore, right. Michigan should have got the the, the full uh, right. the full Monty of the national title. Yeah, um, and Frost, I believe that that year Frost was a uh, I don't know if he was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, but he was definitely a candidate for the Heisman. Trophy. Huh, I didn't know that. Um, you know, we were talking about big games with <clears throat> excuse me with Muskegon and Mona Shores coming up in a couple of weeks. We got a pretty big, impactful game this Friday between a couple of Mr. Football candidates, Elijah Collins from UD Jesuit yep. and Theo Day from Dearborn Divine Child. Should be exciting. I'm I'm, exci- I'm, in, I'm interested to see how um, Divine Child can can you know uh, match up against a, a Catholic Central team. Right, and and I, I look at this game as being a, a a big possibility in having a big playing a big role in the Mr. In the, Football Award Football contest. Awards. You know if you know, Elijah Collins goes for 200 yards, and UAD Jesuit wins. You know that's a that's a big win. You know, if Theo Day goes off and has a big game, like you said, against a Catholic League Central Division team, I know that UAD Jesuit's down, but that's still a Central Division. Hey, they made the what? Well, they made the playoffs the last handful of right. years. They went to they won a district uh, a couple of years. ago. Well, they ago. they took Detroit King to the to yeah. the brink of elimination when King beat Lowell in the 2015 yeah. state finals. Um, I mean, Oscar has just done a he's really done a outstanding job with you that. Want, you want to talk about one of the most underrated yeah. coaches in the state. I think Oscar Olenicek really is. Um, but that's a game I'm really interested to see because, you know, I think there's an assumption that both teams are somewhat one-dimensional. You know, I think, you know, UD Jesuit relies on its run game with Elijah Collins a lot, and rightfully so. Um, they got a really good offensive line led by uh, Carlos uh, Vetterello. Yeah, who, who's another, another division you know, one, Big uh, Ten type yeah. offensive line prospect. Um, and then you look at Divine Child, and they throw the ball. I'm, I I haven't seen them yet, but they throw the ball quite a bit you know, because they have a Division One Michigan State-bound quarterback in Theo Day. Um, so that's a game I'll be there on Friday. I'm really interested to see how that, that game plays out. I'm going to tease my blog again. Uh, one of Day's favorite receivers that's right. is also one of the best basketball players in the state and actually was the quarterback <laughs> prospect at Divine Child before Day arrived. Mm-hmm. And uh, because Day got there, he uh, well, I don't know all the reasons why, but once Day got there, uh, Quinn Blair mm-hmm. uh, made a move to wide receiver and started to focus more on basketball. basketball. Yep. And uh, just com- just committed to a Division One program, William and Mary of the Colonial uh, Athletic Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, William and Mary is a, a small Division One program out of Virginia, and uh, Quinn Blair averaged uh, over you know about twenty two, twenty three points a game last year. He's a small forward. He's about six six. Right. He's a really nice target at wide receiver. Right. Yeah. And, uh, just throw so- it up. So you got two Division One uh, bound athletes that will mm-hmm. be hooking up in the passing game. And then you can't forget about Aiden Hutchinson. Well, and then you know, along Michigan, the line for yeah the 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 sack monster. Uh, uh, what a eleven or twelve sacks right. last year, and uh, just one of the best uh, pass rushers in, in the whole Midwest. Right, and and not to you know, let's go into Divine Child a little bit because Divine Child last year had their season, you know, cut down the playoffs. They went uh, to the Final Four. They were in the Final Four. They lost to St. Mary's, and that's kind of been their roadblock for quite some time. We talked about earlier. St. Mary's has three losses. You know, this is a, you know, this is a down St. Mary's team. At least if the bracket plays out the way it did last year. You know, that roadblock either A may not be there if St. Mary's doesn't make the playoffs, or B, it might kind of reverse course and this Divine Child team hasn't lost yet. Yep. And Divine Child could be looking at itself playing in, Saint, in the Division Three final. Yeah, I'm never this a big year. fan of doing the well, this team beat that team, so this team should beat that team. Right. But uh St. Mary's got their first one of the season by beating Jesuit thirty eight twenty eight, so they put thirty eight points on them. Right. And it'll be an interesting you know, 
wait to see how Divine Child plays against UD Jesuit. I used to do, we used to do that in high school. We used to be like, this team beat that, that team, time. and then that team beat that team, so therefore we should be the state champions. Right. <laughs> uh, that's not quite how it was. It's, it's not the uh, transitive property. Um, but for any of our Mr. Football candidates, go to www.statechampsnetwork.com. Click on the banner on the left-hand side. Vote for your choice in the Mr. Football contest. Uh, the leading vote-getter, once once the season's wrapped up, the leading vote-getter will automatically be entered into our Final Four. Um, and it counts, I believe, 20% towards the criteria for the award itself overall. Um, so that does it for this week's show. Scott, I want to thank you again for joining me. Thanks, J.D. I'll be back next week. That's for sure. Um, and everybody else, have a great week.